Hello and welcome to another episode of the Crazy Waffle Podcast. Today you'll be listening to myself, Mark Irons, and Hallie Fawlison. Hallie is an Icelandic designer and the founder of UNO, now working in San Francisco. This podcast is a really valuable episode for young designers especially. We cover different topics like what makes a good designer, Hallie gives tons of advice on this, and uh, how to stand out and how to get your work recognised and known by design agencies. We talk a little bit about travelling and how he's gone travelling the world and the different perspectives he's got from doing that. We also talk about how we grew UNO from one person startup to a global agency. So I really hope you enjoy this week's podcast. So this week's listener of the week is Zach Peck. Uh, he's Zach Peck Creative on Instagram, so go and check him out. He does some awesome work over there. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for listening. And if you want to be next week's listener of the week, uh, send me a message or just uh, leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to it. If you're on YouTube, subscribe. Um, just anyone that's listening around, just get in touch. Say hello. And both leaving a review and uh, subscribing on YouTube really do help the podcast to grow. So thank you very much for listening and uh, let's get on with the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. You're the first well, person from Iceland on the podcast. Congratulations. <clears throat> yeah, that's pretty common. Um, there's not a lot of us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, I've got to say I'm a big fan of the Icelandic football team, especially Gilfie Sigurdsson, uh, because I, I support Swansea City and obviously... Gilfie Sigurdsson, massive ex Swansea player, probably the best player we've ever had. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you like football, but I like. I, yeah, I don't follow football, but uh, or soccer, but um, I hear they're good. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the country itself as well. It's very, very like it's just beautiful. Like, like loads and loads of landscapes, and um, yeah, it's really, really nice to go to. So it's cool to have you on the podcast. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. It's cool to be here. Yeah, so can we start with who you are and how you found design? My name is Harald Rinke Um Most people call me Halle. I, uh, I found design through, um, uh, it's a fairly long story, but it's uh, a simple version of it is I, I took a course at uh, university when I was studying finance and I had to build a website and then um, I was about 20, 22 years old and I that was my first time sort of creating something like that and a few years later after I had been tinkering with it for a while I started to do it I don't know if professionally is the word but I at least I got paid um, and then it grew from there. So you, you, you took a course in finance at university and then had to build yeah. a website through the course? Yeah it was in 1998 it was a very basic html site that I had to build just like put your name it was like a, a a one hour assignment basically put your name and and on the site it was a black and white site so so you found so that's like you, you realized you wanted to do that as a, as a job or um well i i did i i really liked um it was not that i found design necessarily that way but i just really liked the idea that i could um uh, was more that I found publishing. I, I liked the idea of being able to put something out into the world that fast and um, anyone being able to access it. And then slowly through the years, I learned um, that there were different aspects of, of making something and one of them being design. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, so, so when was it like you realized you wanted to start your own studio? I had been freelancing for about uh, six, seven years, and I was just um, doing bigger and bigger projects, and I felt um, it was time. So five years ago, um, 
five years and one month, actually, I started uh, an agency called Ueno. It had been something that I've been thinking about for maybe a year or two before doing that. So you have other jobs before freelancing or did you go straight into freelancing from university? I, I worked at a lot of agencies, places, in-house in Iceland. Okay. 2006, I moved over to New York where I started working with an agency there called Cuban Council. Um, I was there for uh, about a year, moved back to Iceland um, and basically freelanced from Iceland for, for the yeah, six, seven years. So how does a guy from Iceland like go to New York? Like what, what drew you to go? I'd never been to New York. I, um, I wanted to, to try something new. A friend of mine was moving to New York to go to school. And I, it was a, a two-year um, master class for him. And I remember thinking, he's going to come back in two years and I'm still going to be here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just how time works. <laughs> uh, if you don't do something, it's, uh, it, it, just, it happens to you. So I'd rather, I, I wanted to try, try and make something happen. So I went to New York. Um, I applied uh, at a few places. My top choice, um, which was Cuban Council, which I had been following for years and years, they, um, they accepted me, they hired me, and was, I was very, very surprised. And... Um, I moved over there and it was, it was a lot of fun. It was very, very hard. It was very, very different. Um, I learned a lot and I made a lot of mistakes. So was that your first job, was it? It wasn't my first job, no. I had been uh, freelancing, um, uh, both freelancing and working at uh, places in Iceland. So in Iceland, um, as you can imagine, it's a very small country. Yeah. Um, there's... Um, there's a couple of, of good agencies that were at that time. Um, I worked at, um, uh, you know, I pretty much worked at all of them. And I also worked uh, through an agency, actually. I worked at a bank. That was my last job before moving to the U.S. Was I, I worked um, basically like a stock, staff augment model where I worked at an agency, uh, but I basically just worked at that bank uh, in, the, in their design web department. Okay. Okay, that's cool. Uh, so, so you moved to the US. What was the biggest thing you learned whilst in the US? Well, a lot of it was personal growth of um, taking your job seriously. Um, I had a, a creative director who was very demanding. He was, you know, fantastic designer. And I, I had never really thought about any job or any anything I did in the way that he did. But, you know, everything had to be really spot on, really perfect. And it was exhausting and it was very hard for me and I wasn't, I wasn't really equipped to deal with it at that time. So I, I kind of fucked up that job. <laughs> so, but I, it, did, it, did, it did teach me a lot, though, about what is really required to do great work. It can be really hard. Uh, you have to care about everything. Yeah. So, so that, that pressure from your creative director, was that really ex- make the process a lot more uh, quick, like the learning process? You had to learn a lot quicker. Yeah, it was. I was. It was sort of a pressure cooker of right. um, a lot of different things. Moving to New York, working with uh, a new culture, new people, working at a new agency, and at a very, very different standard that I'd ever worked before. Um, and all of those things. Yeah, like I said, it was just at that time it was too much for me. I couldn't really deal with it. But later on, when I looked back, it was it was probably one of the defining moments for me as a in my career. 
Yeah, nice. So after that, you came back to Iceland, and then what was that, freelancing? Or did you get another job? I was freelancing. Uh, some of it was long-term. I also had a, a really uh, big drinking problem, so I, I was mostly just drunk for, for a few years right. while I was working. So I didn't really progress, but I was good enough of a designer drunk that I could, I could make a living. I'm oh, sorry to hear that. I mean, I'm glad we <laughs> sorted it out. It's all good now, is it? Yeah, I've been sober for eight years. Um, oh, that's awesome. Oh, well done. Yeah. Um, wait, so how, how much do you think that impacted your design then? Um, I think it just sort of, not just my design, but everything. It, it just stopped my growth as a person. Yeah. Um, uh, it's sort of uh, just being in an arrested, arrested state. You're not really growing, you're not really, really learning. You're just surviving. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think it was, uh, I, I just, I went through it and I had to go through it, but it wasn't helpful helpful in any way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's obviously a big, that's a massive thing to overcome. Is that like, one of the hardest things you've done? Uh, I've had some, some shit in my life. Uh, uh, that's one of them for sure. So what, when, you're free, when you were freelancing, what sort of work were you bringing in? Like what sort of clients you were working with? Because at the moment you're working with massive people, like massive clients, massive businesses. So what sort of stuff were you doing back then? So after I moved back from New York, I started working with a guy that I actually met through my, my agency, the, the agency that I used to work for in New York. He started his own company called Upperquad and he started getting more and more work from Google. And that time he was, you know, it's a very small shop. He's you know, a lot bigger now, but at that time, it was very small, and he would feed me a lot of work. We would work together on a lot of a lot of projects. So, for a few years, at least half of the work I did was for Google, and then he also had other startup clients. I had some other clients that I brought in myself, and it was everything from you know tiny thousand dollar projects to to pretty massive projects. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you say you say tiny thousand dollar projects. Like someone like me thinks that's a lot of money. So. <laughs> Like, well, if, if um, you know, this would be maybe $1,000 for six weeks of work, which is pretty far below minimum wage. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, so how did you build that confidence up with pricing then? Like, where did that come from? How did you build the confidence up with pricing? Because a lot, a lot of people struggle with that. I didn't really think about, you know, I, I wanted to have enough, obviously, to survive. and But mostly I, I didn't really think about my prices that much for the for a very very long time yeah um i was more interested in getting the experience and the projects um and i didn't want to price myself out of anything but then once i had that experience that was a very different story than you know once i had been working in this field for 10 15 years i could i understood my value a lot better and i, I knew that i had a lot to offer to two people so that's when the confidence came but it took a very very long time yeah. to get there and i think a lot of people are in way too much of a rush in their career. They're trying to do too much too fast. Uh, and that includes, you know, rates, that includes the types of projects they can take on. I think it's very healthy and good for people to be out of their comfort zone, but it can't be three, four, five layers outside of your comfort zone. It has to be relatively close. That makes a lot of sense. So you, you would say that for a lot of design students as well, they should just get on with the work and not really worry about the prices and try and do the best work you can. Uh, I mean, obviously don't let anyone take advantage of you. Um, you know, there should be a, a good salary in, in this for anyone, but um, no, I would not advise anyone to take, um, to prioritize money early in their career. That's good. That's good. 
So when you're working with Google as a freelancer, um, you built, you got that from another friend. So networking and knowing other people is massive. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I mean, obviously having skills is important, but you don't really get the skills unless you get the real opportunities. Um, working hard is important, but you can't really work hard if you don't have anything to work on. Um, so, uh, yeah, getting the right opportunities, knowing the right people, is what will make or break careers. Okay, that's cool. So, so what like would your advice be to students and youngsters? Would it be those two things, or is there anything else you would give uh, advice to? There's not a lot of things you can control in the beginning. I think you can control your attitude. You can be open to new things and open to uh, just doing the work that's needed to be done, whatever that is. Uh, not being too good for any type of work. I, I still, you know. 20 years in, I still do banners every once in a while. I, I run into kids. I just think that's beneath them. And, you know, I think that's, that attitude is, is massive. I think um, you can control how much you care about something. And if you, if you really, really care, it, it, it comes through. And you can control how, how hard you're willing to work for something. And if you do those three things, if you really, if you, if you care, if you, um, if you have a good attitude and you, work really hard people will notice and that's how you build up good networks but you also have to be good at um, showing off your work you need to be able to make you know, if you do fantastic work in a vacuum and nobody knows and obviously nobody's gonna know yeah no you're right so, so obviously social media is a big part of that now would you is there any other way you would do it um, yeah social media is obviously the, the easiest way good work gets surfaced um, Eventually, it takes time. Um, it takes some amount of creativity in terms of how do you sell yourself and uh, how do you make sure that people find you. Yeah. Um, doing. Um, we just hired, for example, an intern in uh, our office in San Francisco, and he has all the things that I mentioned before. He's, you know, he really cares. He he works hard, and nothing. His, his attitude is amazing. Um, but the only reason I found him was um, he he did a side project that was blew me away. Are you sharing his name? Uh, Do you mind sharing? Like, can we find out who who where like what this project is? Uh, his name is Julius. He's um, he, I think he must be on our Dribble page. Yeah, he's just a wonderful person and a great designer. Nice. But so also, again, it just the he 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 put in the effort to to make something. Because in the beginning, nobody's going to give you that shot. It's a chicken and egg problem. Right. Uh, you have to create them. You have to create it for yourself. Yeah. So, so what was in the project that you liked so much? Like, what what what, what can people do to uh, stand out? Um, it was a lot of. Um, he he worked with his friend on on reimagining uh, the browser experience, um, and it was a lot of really smart, good thinking, and then just the execution was, was fantastic. Okay, with portfolios, what do you look for then? What do you just look for the, the good design, good like good thinking, and how, how do people lay it out? How do people sort of present that stuff? I think obviously you have to have good work. Um, you can some people are very good at presenting their work, but if it's if the work is bad, you can't really. No matter how well you present it, 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 yeah. it won't really work. But if you could do good work, and on top of that, you're good at presenting it, you're good at walking through how. Your decisions were made. You explain what your part in the project was. You just go the extra mile in uh, educating the 
the person that's looking at the portfolio of uh, of all these things and um, it will come through most people like me that are they're looking at portfolios um, may look at 10 20 30 of them a day and some of them for uh, when you're doing that and it's maybe you have 10 minutes to go through all those things some of them you look at for a snap first like a second yeah you have to have something that grabs your attention really straight away and shows um, someone with a trained eye that there's something worth digging into. I was like an example of that. Like, what would you, what would really catch your eye? Is it colors or is it like, what, is there any specific thing that would catch people's eye? Uh, I think it's, that's where it gets very tricky and I understand the question, but I don't think there's an answer. I think uh, it's like if you, um, if you meet someone, uh, that you like there's something about them that you like and it's often very hard to put a name on it it's just yeah. the way they look the way they behave the way they talk their back like there's just something that that catches you and you're like you're interested enough to make the effort to get to know them yeah no, so it's almost like a connection then so if you can maybe if you can find out what you like if you're hiring maybe if someone finds out what you like and then does projects around that and that sort of builds that connection maybe i don't know well, I will be uh, interesting. That will be uh, I mean, again. If we go back to like, if we compare this to dating, that would be horrible dating advice. If you try and tailor yourself to someone else, uh, that's really not going to work. I think it's much better if people are authentic um, and authentically care about something, and then they'll find their audience. Okay. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so just being true to yourself then. Yeah, being true, having a pr real, uh, true core, having a personality. Um, having a point of view, being passionate, like all these things that just make people good at any job. Yeah, oh, that's good. That's good advice. Um, so, so when you started your own your own agency, what? Why did you call it Ueno? Um, because why not? <laughs> <laughs> I I needed a name. Um, I I had lived in Tokyo. I was um, I was working. I was living in Buenos Aires and. Um, I was with my wife and I thought, well, I need, either I'm going to call this um, by my own name, meaning like, uh, you know, whatever my name is. Uh, and the, uh, the, there's a lot of, of baggage that comes with that, or I'm going to go with another name. So I, those were the two options. Um, and then I just went through in my brain, like, um, some names. I, I remembered uh, a park in, in Tokyo that I really loved, which is called the Ueno Park. I liked how the name looked. I liked how it, it sounded. And I liked that most people, at least out of Japan, had no connection to it. So it was sort of an empty vessel that we could, uh, that I could take and create anything out of. So sometimes when you have names that people have pre-associations with, mm. um, it's hard to break out of it. It was it's non-descriptive. It's just this, it's a name that we can do anything with. Yeah. No, that's, that's good advice for picking names as well, because um, I think things like my, my name, Blue Deer, is like, well, if people don't like the color blue, that already alienates some, some of the audience. <laughs> I think there's a lot of, you know, we work on a lot of naming projects for clients. There's a lot of different ways of going about it. I think it just depends on what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, I mean, having a name um, that has a color in it is, is not a bad thing. It's it's something that people at least, I mean, when it comes to the visual branding, um, 
there's an obvious uh, i haven't seen your brand but i hope it's blue yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so there's a connection there so you know there, that's something just to remember you you sort of it has the name blue uh, has the word blue in it it's blue why not okay. that works for me <laughs> um yeah so so you've been traveling quite a lot then you've been around different places um yeah when i when i stopped drinking um i me and my wife uh i got married we had a kid and we decided to um, to move to different places. So we spent about six months in uh, Tokyo. We spent uh, something like that in, in South America. We were in, in North America, we went to Barcelona um, and um, just wanted to try to live for at least two to three months in each location to experience different parts of the world. and. Now, being a tourist is is great, but you don't really get to know the place until, I mean, it takes years, but at least if you spend a few months, you get sort of a decent idea of what the place is like, what the people are like, what the culture is like. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. I love that. I, I get that. <laughs> That's really, really cool. Like, you, you basically like changed your life around, like, and you just, and then gone traveling and, and then, um, yeah, because like, the traveling part gives you real perspectives. I'm lucky enough to be have gone, gone as a tourist to different places. I've never, never six months, but that's that's amazing. So, what what have you learned from from traveling? Like, what's what's your favorite place as well? Um, Tokyo is is a wonderful city. Um, it's one of the most unique places um, I've ever been to. It's I mean, it's obviously it's massive. Yeah. So there's um, it's. It's like New York or you know any other big city in that way, but there's so many different things you can explore. Um, being in a place where you don't speak the language and most people don't speak English is it's very interesting. Um, the culture is is very different. Um, before going to Japan, I had mostly been, I, I, you know, being from Iceland, uh, the, the easy trips are to European cities, so I've been to most of those. I've been to North America quite a bit. Um, uh, but it was just a, a very different way of um, experiencing the world and um, yeah so I think Tokyo has to stand out yeah it's my favorite place it's my favorite place so you're settled now in, in America or are you planning to go back to Iceland or what's like where are you going anywhere else uh, say it again are you, so you're settled in America now are you or, or are you going to go back to Iceland or what's happening um, I don't think in the in the near future we're going to move back to Iceland. It's a it's a very small country. Yeah. Um, it's it's a great place to for me to visit, and my family is there. I have friends there. Um, my kids going back. Um, you know, even if they don't really spend a lot of time there, they still feel like it's home. Um, but I don't think we'll we'll live there anytime soon. We live in mostly in San Francisco now. Um, that's where my daughter goes to school. Cool. Um, we have uh, a place in, in New York as well. And then um, I think in the, in the near future, we will most likely stay in America. I'm just not totally sure where, but yeah, definitely in America. That's cool. So, so what's attracted you to America? Is it just like, just everything's going on? Um, uh, America is, um, I don't know if you know that, uh, Leonard Cohen's song, it's sort of the, the cradle of the best and the worst. 
Okay. It's, uh, it's all the extremes. And, um, you know, there's some, some pretty massive downsides to America versus other, other places that I've lived. But um, there's also some things like uh, San Francisco is a unique place um, when you, when, uh, when you work in the field that, that, that I work in, um, New York's the same. There's just, there's opportunities, there's people, there's companies that it's very hard to find somewhere else. Just at, at the, the density that you can find here. There's usually, you go to, you know, uh, most cities, there's maybe one or two companies that you can work for. Yeah. Like if you go to Iceland, if you go to Iceland, for example, and you, you know, want to succeed in this, uh, to be really good at this, there's not a lot of play, a lot, there's not a lot of options. Obviously, there's more in bigger cities, but uh, I've never seen anything like as dense as New York and San Francisco for for this for this business. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, so if we, if we go back to Iceland, um, like in your life, your lifetime. So are we talking about you starting? You know how how did it how did it all start? Um, I originally was thinking because I've been freelancing for a very long time, and as a freelancer, I got to know a lot of people. I I started to put together teams for projects as I grew uh, in my career. And I going into the agency, I thought, well, I'll just do that. I I, I don't need to hire anybody. I'll just um, I'll put a an agency name on it, but mostly it'll just be a freelance uh, network. Um, so that was what I did for the first year, but I realized that's not what I wanted to do anymore. It okay. was, it, it's tough. I, I worked at home a lot. I was getting very isolated and uh, I wanted to have a place where I could go to work um, with the same people every day. I would uh, interact with the same people, um, get to know them, get to really know what it's like to work with them. So it, it sort of slowly grew from there. I, I moved, uh, the first four or five hires were in Iceland. Um, we were all developers. And then I moved to San Francisco and um, set up an office there, found uh, space um, with some friends and they let me stay there while I grew um, to a few more people and then found an actual office and that's where I moved. Yeah. A couple of years later, we set up an office in New York for, for a client that I've been working with. It was pretty organic. Yeah, that makes sense. That's, so yeah, that, that's a big thing about freelancing as well. You, you are on your own. You are working for yourself. And a lot of people find that really, really hard. Um, I guess that's why I started this podcast as well. So I can talk to people like yourself. And I can talk to random people um, and be like, connected. Um, how, how have you, you, you told, I guess it's just, it's just you dealt with it by starting your own agency and, and you just moved on. Yeah. Well, I, I think freelancing um, did make it possible for me to do uh, starting the, start the agency later on. Um, it helped me understand a lot of different aspects of running a, a business. Yeah. It, it, um, when you're freelancing, you're basically, you're the producer, um, you're the designer, you're the, the account manager, you know, you're, you're, um, you're playing a lot of different roles. And um, I think that's ultimately what, um, what makes you successful or not when you, when you start a business is how many different things can you do? If you can only do one thing, you're, you're going to need a lot of partners. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's, have you seen much difference in running a business in Iceland compared to America? Um, the scale is obviously very different. I mean, the budgets are massively different. Right. Um, the the level of <clears throat> um, of client that you can find is is very different. But no, ultimately, it, it's all it comes down to uh, you know relationships with people. Yeah, if you can if you can build those, then that's what you need to be a, you know start a business. Yeah, 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 and and that's um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, how how would you how would you get talking to start start talking to people um, if you if you didn't know them? Like, is there anything you bring up, or how do you, how do you get in, how do you get to the point where you like you want to work with them, or they want to work with you? <laughs> I keep going back to the dating analogy. It's just you know you, you meet people, you figure out uh, if if it's worthwhile to take the second date or the third date. Um, and sort of slowly realize that this is serious and let's 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 start doing something about it okay okay that's interesting yeah yeah so so in terms of business stuff like they the dating scene how how, that, how does that compare though you're just first talking to them and then, and then finding out a bit more about them it's just building relationships is it yeah i just slowly uh you know taking it slow getting a coffee at first right um under, like meeting someone face to face, seeing what they're like, um, and then at, at each step of the way, evaluating is it worth, you know, taking the next step and the next step and the next step. Cool. Yeah, I like that. Not, not diving straight into the deep end. <laughs> yeah. Is there also a point where you have to, you have to like not be too keen? Yeah, there, I mean that happens a lot, uh, yeah. and I think that that. Again, it's just about the chemistry between, like, it's not that either person is bad or, or anything, that they will work out in another relationship. It's just not the relationship for you. Yeah. Okay, so people looking at your client list will, will think, how the hell has he done that? How has he worked with so many cool people? Um, can, you, can you talk me through about like, sort of what point you managed to pick up these amazing clients, if you're allowed to talk about it? We've, uh, uh, there is a, um, a bit of a, an impossible problem of, um, a bigger client won't work with you unless you work with a bigger client. Mm. Um, and um, you have to sort of slowly build up to that uh, and, and taking the opportunities that you get along the way. Like I said, I did a lot of work with Google. Most of it was not very glamorous work. And, and then uh, using that, um, making sure that I delivered, or hopefully that I delivered good, good things consistently gave me the opportunities to get a bigger project and then a bigger project, you know, you end up with something great. And then if you do that a few times with a few different people, uh, other people will see that and look at your portfolio and see, well, there's a track record. I can trust this person. Right. Um, there, uh, you know, a big company has, uh, there's a lot at stake. There's, if it's a product or a um, brand or whatever it is that making, there's, a lot at stake for the company. There's a lot at stake for the, the, the people that are running the show. So they're not going to take a massive risk on someone. Yeah, no, you're right. It's that trust, isn't it? Like you say, the relationship thing. That's, uh, yeah. Okay. That's cool. So, so what sort of age were you, or what sort of, um, sort of level skill level were you when you got the, the big, uh, second project like after the Google stuff, when did everyone start noticing that sort of thing? I was about 35. Okay. Cool. 
I don't know why I asked that question. Like you shouldn't, like you shouldn't compare yourself to other people. But uh, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's helpful for people to understand that it takes time. And like I said before, um, a lot of young people I meet. I mean, I'm not saying this is the only way to do it, but um, it took me a very, very long time. Yeah. To get to a place uh, where I felt I could take on big projects, um, and I see a lot of of young people being too anxious. Um, they want to jump too far ahead in the future, too fast. Yeah, no, I'm guilty of that as well. I'm, I'm definitely guilty of that. And I see other people and start comparing myself and yeah. Yeah, I mean, aspiration is great. Uh, going further and further is great, but just also, you know, pace yourself a little bit. Yeah, being realistic. Because I, I, I presume like if, if, you're, if you're looking at it and thinking, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to get here straight away, then you're more likely to stick around and carry on and get there? Yeah, I think there's um, something I tell people all the time. If you want to get good at something, you're going to have to be bad at it for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and that means, you know, sometimes decades. Because I think uh, people give up way too fast. Yeah, yeah. I think they think that they can become great at something, you know, in a year or two or three years. That's, um, that's not how it works. You're right, and you can't, you know, you can't get these big projects straight out of college either, so or university. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are people that do it, and I'm sure they succeed. It's just not what happened to me. I'm sure there's some geniuses out there. I'm not one of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of it was it was a lot of time, it was a lot of hard work, um, and a lot of persistence. The only person I know that has done something similar to that is Lance Wyman. Obviously, he's he's a massive designer, so um, and he's coming to the end of his career. So it's like. Yeah, I mean, looking back at it, it's all different now as well. So there's much more people doing it. So what's what's like your know, day-to-day operation at the moment? How many people have you got under you as well? Because like, it's five years and it's it's gone really quickly. It's exploded. Um, I think there's about 65, 70 people now uh, at Wino. There's a lot of uh, of things that are are, are in the works. And we're we're doing a lot of things. I'm I'm still making a lot of mistakes, but hopefully learning from them. So, so what's your day-to-day, though? I usually have about one client project that I'm actually involved in um, because I like, I like doing work. Um, I do like doing client work. I also spend a lot of my time on our internal projects, our brand projects, so that there's a lot there. And then there's, you know, I have a lot of people who report to me, so I have to make time to try and help them if I can. Um, there is... Yeah, there's a lot of things that go into running a business. I, I have to work with the finance team on things. I have to work with marketing on some things. I have to work with the people team on, on other things. And it's there's a lot going on. That's what I mentioned before. If the, the, the freelance thing just taught me how to juggle a fair amount of balls, and it's just, I kept adding more and more balls. <laughs> uh, so, so how many people have you got in what place? Like where, where are you in the world? How are you spread out? Uh, the... the Biggest office right now is in, in San Francisco. Um, there's maybe 35 or something like that in San Francisco. Um, we have an office in, uh, in New York that's growing really fast. And then we have an office in Iceland as well. Cool. How are you managing like the different places? Are you flying between them quite a lot or are you just phoning them? Or um, We spend a lot of time doing things like this spending uh, video calls, but I, um, I try and spend about two months a year in Iceland, or two months a year total in, in New York as well, and the rest of the time, most of it in San Francisco. Cool. 
I like that. Um, so if someone wanted to do what you're doing now, and, and it, bearing in mind you're gonna, it's going to take a long time, uh, and, and it's, you know you have to build up. Uh, what would your blueprint be? What would your advice be from where you start to to where you are now? One day at a time. Okay, that's summed up brilliantly. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't get too far ahead of yourself. If you keep working hard and you keep doing good work and you keep uh, delivering, slowly things start to build and momentum starts to build and things become easier and easier. Okay. Yeah. So, so what sort of stuff are you doing day to day to try and build your business? Um, just trying my, again, coming into every day, trying my best. Um, not hoping not to repeat my mistakes too often. Um, trying to spot patterns in things that are uh, that might be going wrong and trying to fix them and move on to the next thing and the next thing. Um, there's always problems. Um, you kind of have to have a, a bit of a sun attitude towards them. You just have to say, like, every day has its pain and um, you, you work through it. Okay, yeah. But when you're when you're working for freelance as well, um, like, would would you be what would you be doing day to day? Would you be like messaging people and contacting people, or would you like be working on projects and then asking for referrals? Like, how, how do you expand as a one-person band? Um, I've never had any uh, outbound or referral. Um, it's always been people have always contacted me. Okay. Um, so I've, um, I've never been good at reaching out to people, but I, I did get pretty good at um, more like marketing. Uh, myself and the agency. What sort of stuff are you doing? And, well, just being very active, publishing, posting on, on uh, design platforms, um, building up a following, um, and taking it seriously. That that's you know, if you're a freelancer, that's part of your job is to market yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. Or, or if you're an agency, obviously, it's a huge part of your job. Yeah. Do you hire someone specifically for uh, for that for social media, or or are you, or is it just yourself? Um, there is. Uh, we have a marketing director who uh, who runs a lot of things with me. Um, we have someone uh, that helps with uh, a lot of the content that we make. Obviously, there's uh, multiple people inside the company that help on on various things. Mm. Uh, but I'm still very much, I think. A brand has to be authentic um, and it has to come from somewhere and it it's still you know, brand still is sort of my baby yeah <laughs> nice uh, so the last couple of questions first of all actually you've already answered the best advice you, you I was gonna ask you the best advice but you're giving so much anyway so it's all good um, what, what's your best purchase under a hundred dollars best purchase under a hundred dollars uh, Apple AirPods Nice, yeah. How much are they? Seventy nine? I don't know, something like that. Okay. Or oh, no, sorry. Shit, am I wrong? Am I totally out of touch? Maybe I just bought one pod for. Maybe they were one hundred seventy nine. Shit. Um, maybe I'm. I'm I, I saw a video once of, um, uh, who was it? Bill Gates. It was on a show, and he was asked how much is uh, you know a pot of milk, and he said like twenty bucks or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't want to be that guy. Uh, um, I don't know what real money is anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not that. I, um, I do. You know what acai is? 
Nice. Acai is um, it's a fruit. Uh, it comes from uh, South America. It's very popular in Brazil and other places. People put all sorts of stuff in it, sugar and, and sometimes, uh, yeah, different fruit. And it basically, it's like a, a little bowl uh, that you get that's full of energy. It's like 10 bucks. It's fantastic. That's a good answer. But I haven't found it in Europe. So I'm, 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 you're probably screwed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to die now because I don't know what it is. Yeah. I'd quite yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite thing. I try and eat one of those a day. They're not... I try and convince myself they're healthy, but they're not really. Um, but they're at least um, not as unhealthy as, as some other things that you could do. Are you big on the health stuff? Are you, are you like are you into that? It's uh, a tough question. No, uh, but I try and be because I um, feel when I eat well, I feel very different than when I don't eat well. I have a lot more energy. You're probably, you know, young enough that you can eat anything but as you get older that doesn't that's not the case uh you have to i have to watch what i eat it can have a drastic uh impact on my day yeah no i listen to a lot of podcasts and i've heard i've heard very similar things yeah um yeah that's imp- important uh okay so the last two questions are a bit more in depth uh, in, in depth and they go a bit deeper into your your sort of your thoughts and philosophies um first of all what's your like what values would you would you say to live by? Have you got any values that um, you, you should live by? Uh, we have five core values at Ueno that that, um, that we created. The, the first one uh, you can you can look them up. I can uh, I can send them along. But there's the first one I can tell you is um, that we're all in this together, uh, and that that really comes from um, uh, when I traveled. Uh, around the world, I, I started to see um, that people really want to help other people, um, or some people really want to help other people. Weirdly enough, it's usually the people that don't have anything they want to give you the most. I, I try and do that uh, as much as I can, both internally um, and externally. Uh, and then there's a few a few values in between, but um, I think we're running out of time soon. So the last one I'll give you as well, which is life is short, enjoy it. And like I said before, I had some shit in my life. I've lost some people that I um, that I wish I uh, had spent more time with, and um, you never know what's going to happen. So just make sure you use every day you have. That's good. Um, how do you want us to be remembered? It's my last question. Um, I don't want to be remembered. Depends on who it is. I think. I don't think a lot of people will remember me, uh, I, but I hope my my kids will remember me as a as a decent dad. Nice, that's lovely. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. Where can people find you? Say hello to you and message you on social media. <laughs> uh, the best sort of hub to find everything about us is our website, which is ueno.co. U uh, e n o .co. Thank you very much. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Thank you so. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. I uh, really appreciate it. I think it was a fantastic episode. Uh, I really enjoyed chatting to Halley. And um, yeah, it was good to hear different perspectives on traveling and just uh, growing it from a one-person business to, uh, to what it is now. It's incredible. And to work with such big clients as well. Um, so yeah, fantastic episode. Hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to check out the podcast website, that will be coming up uh, shortly. Uh, hopefully on Friday we'll have it live. 
because we'll get some t-shirts on there and we'll have all of the episodes in the uh, transcriptions for you to read or, or share around yeah uh, and show notes as well we've got show notes with links to different things we've talked about on each episode uh, hope you enjoy the show hope you enjoy the website when it comes out thank you very much don't forget to subscribe or like the video or share it or just leave a review uh, that really does help the podcast and it means a lot to me as well uh, thank you very much i'll see you in the next episode